Today, we're going to talk about conferences. Should you go? What are the advantages? What to do? What not to do? How to act a fool? And how to be taken seriously? Well, maybe not all that stuff, but I'm going to talk to you about G3 2020. I had such a great time for all of you that went. Thank you for uh, coming up and seeing us. Had such a great time with the Cross Politic guys and just all of the fellowship that came along with it. So we're going to get into that today and we're going to talk about some other things in the news that I missed. And I just want to say before we get into it, before I cut to the intro of the show, I just want to say I'm sorry that we didn't have a show for Martin Luther King Day on Monday. It wasn't planned. I planned on having a show, but I was so exhausted. Um, those cross politic boys over there, man, they uh, work at a hard pace and just with traveling and prepping and all that stuff. I was really exhausted, so I just took a family day, missed a family, and here we are, Tuesday, January 21st, 2020. Welcome to the new year. Let's get into it. All right, welcome to How to Build a Tent, the podcast on how to make you successful. My name is Matt Williams. Thank you for listening, sharing the show, and coming up to me in the booth. I really appreciate it. This show is brought to you by Kingsman Grooming Products, kingsmangroomingpros.com. There are three reasons why you need to go over there, check it out. One, they're a Christian company, you should support them. You are, And two, you already use those products. So you might as well go over and get higher quality products and support Christian brothers in the faith. And three, you get 10% off your order when you put in HTBT in the code when you check out. And they're the, you know, the checkout code, whatever you get when you put a discount. Go check them out, help support a brother, get great quality products, and get 10% off your order. They got beard bombs, grooming kits, hair products, leather wallets, boots, some really cool stuff. I'm, you know, got a, I'm a frequent user myself. So go check them out. We are part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Go over to HGBT, put in that in the memo field, and you will get a free mug and tons of great content as well. Come support us as we proclaim the Lordship of Jesus in every area of life. We have a conference coming up this year. We are going to have a discount for club members, so you make sure you get in on that, and you will be part of what we're doing. So go over there, check it out. All right, conference, G3 2020. What did I see? I saw tons of people. It was just encouraging to see the size of what many people there were dubbing the last of the conservative conferences that are out there. And obviously there are some more, but I think maybe specifically in the SBC or conservative Baptist, but it was, man, it was huge. It was amazing. It was a great, great conference area. I had a really good time, got to sneak in and listen to some of the talks. We, across politic, Liz Jankovic was part of, they were both doing breakout sessions. We got to be a part of, and they were packed, man. Let me tell you the people that hate the fight, laugh, feast network, the people that hate us. The people that hate the Moscow people, the one who shall not be named, they were getting a little nervous. I'm not going to lie. They uh, So we had a booth right next to Founders Ministry. If you can see, I don't know if you can see this little pin. I got an old school Founders Ministry pin. I got this great book that they published, The Mystery of Christ, His Covenant of His Kingdom. Let me just read you this one section. I just started on the way playing back. Plane ride back. Let me get. So this is a book from a Baptist about covenantal thinking. And man, do we need that in the Baptist circles? 
Uh, Jared said, Jared Longshore said that this is a book recovering covenantal theology in Baptist history. So it's really interesting. I can't wait to read it, but let's listen to this. This is so good. The all important connection of these truths for the relationship between biblical theology and systematic theology and covenant theology is that because covenants are not natural arrangements like natural law, that is, quote unquote, not found in nature's garden. There are certain senses in which they are not the proper subjects of consequential or inferential arguments. And thus, one must be careful not to over systemize or draw connections and proportions from that which is that which is what it is only by virtue of sovereign institution. To put it another way, necessary consequences don't work for covenants because there is no necessity in covenants. Covenants are not natural. They are part of the created order. Wow, that's good. Um, I look forward to reading the rest of that book. You should check it out. But let me tell you, going back to this, the people that hate us, the people that are um, angry with the founder's ministry, the the ones that were there at the conference were getting a little um a little scared because of how much support that we had. I mean, when we had the breakout sessions, they were packed. Our booths were crowded. The only rival crowd that I saw was a uh, pastor down the road. He's oh, what is his name? Oh, I'm gonna, it's going to kill me. I'm totally going to forget his name. I, I didn't even mean to talk about this, so I didn't make sure I knew his name. But there's this one. He's a great pastor. He's been on Cross Politic. He is in Africa. And if you guys know who this is, you can just send me an email, Matt at howtobuildatent.com or on the social media sites, howtobuildatent. It's going to drive me nuts. Anyways, he had a great showing as well, which is good because, you know, he's a good guy. Uh, I love his sermons, even though I can't remember his name right now. Oh, my gosh. It's so bad. Um, but... It's really encouraging because how many of you guys showed up, how many of you were at our booths, even new listeners who have never heard of the show before were encouraged by the talks that our network was providing, that others that are in our camp, quote unquote, uh, were giving. It was just really seen great to see the Lord work. I saw seminaries there. What else did we see? So there was a vendor section. I saw seminaries, clothing companies. Bible binding. I want to give a shout out to Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding. I hope I said that right. I'm gonna. I'm not. I don't know my Latin that well. I think that's Latin. Um, listener of the show, Jeff. Uh, thank you for coming up to me and saying hi. I was really great to see your work and your story. It was absolutely amazing. Um, if you need to rewrap your Bible, if you want to keep those pages, if you're just looking to upgrade your Bible. And make it look fantastic. You need to go check those guys out. They have a Facebook page. Um, support them as well. And keep your Bible with all your notes. If you're a note taker in your Bible, I used to be. And then I realized I'm just sloppy and I can't. Um, check them out. There was, what else is there? Podcast. Johnny Mac had like 20 booths there. <laughs> it was amazing. He had like halos coming down from the ceiling. He had his face blown up everywhere. Uh, but yeah, it was good to see. It was good to see that uh, he did not stay home from telling people to go home. It was it was really great. And we had book companies there. But are conferences worth it? And that is kind of why I wanted to really talk about this today. Not just to encourage you guys with how many people are coming to these this good conference, but how many people are supporting us. But 
even in sales, forget from the Christian circles, but just in the business circles for a while, is conferences worth it? And I'm going to start with this one from a sales perspective, because sometimes, especially if you don't go to conferences a lot, you may think, man, that is such a great opportunity to do sales. And I guess depending on the product you're doing, it could make sense. Um, you definitely have to hustle. You have to be outgoing. You have to be engaging. You have to be hooking people into selling. Um, you have to have your equipment working, especially nowadays when you're doing credit cards and stuff. You want to be taking credit cards as much as possible or, you know, Apple Pay, Google Pay or whatever it is. Um, and it changes out. But anyways, so you got to think about, though, all of the costs that come from this and is worth it. So first of all, you're competing with a bunch of other people there. Um, people probably don't, aren't necessarily thinking about, especially in Christian conferences, maybe not so much with others, but others too that are not Christian, like are industry related or whatnot. They're more informational. You're going there to learn about things or to give presentations. I don't know too many people are looking for a hard sale at that time. So if you're thinking of building, you know, get or spending money, and I, this is why I'm specifically talking about it. Like if you're a startup, you don't have a lot of money. There are probably better ways to spend your money than going to a conference because one, you got to think about the logistics, how you're going to get your product there, how many people are you going to send, where you're going to stay, how much is it going to cost to buy a booth, and all of those things go into and and then on top of that, your opportunity cost of could you be using that money and your time to do something else that is more productive because it's. Depending on the conference, and I, I don't know the last conference I went to and how much it costs for a booth, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap. So if you're looking from a sales perspective and you're just hoping to make a lot of sales, I would really strongly suggest considering other options as well. But one of the good things about them is you know building relationships, meeting people, being introduced to people you've never met before, and also rekindling relationships and keeping fresh and top of mind important people that you want to connect with. That is, I think, a great reason to go to conferences and sometimes why people do it. And along with that is it's a place where you can get deals done or at least not deals done, but start pitching ideas and getting um, the foundation laid or teasing the idea with certain influential people that might be there. You know, it could be a side meeting, a lunch. There's tons of those going on. There's, you know, the backstage, uh, restaurants away from the convention center, wherever it is happening. These things happen a lot and they can be great opportunities to do it because how often do you get to meet people face to face that are traveling a lot, that are very busy with their schedule? This could be good for customers, vendors, all those things. So I would look for those opportunities and maybe that, that could be a good reason to go to a conference. All right, when we get back, we're gonna be talking about some political fundraising news and what's going on with that and then credit card debt. I'm gonna talk about that some more because it's amazing. I couldn't believe how much the average debt is, it's broken down by state, that us Americans have. You guys, Get out of that credit card debt, and we'll get to that in a second. But first, we're going to talk about our sponsor. It is faithcounseling.com slash HTBT, faithcounseling.com slash HTBT. They have licensed professional counselors specializing in depression, stress, anxiety, relationships. I've had a few people actually reach out to me about them um, and ask me for the details again because they really needed it. 
Um, there's and a lot of people in business. They have these issues that they have to deal with. I don't know why it is. I have some hunches about it, but they have 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states. You can communicate with them with text, chat, phone, video. They're 24 hours a day. Use the test desktop, your mobile web app, your Android, your iOS apps. They are available anytime and any way, pretty much. They have even financial aid available if you qualify. It's secure, convenient, and it's professional and faith-based. Best of all, it's truly affordable. How to Build a 10 listeners get 10% off your first month when you enter the discount HTBT. So why not get started today? Go to faithfulcounseling.com slash HTBT. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you love. That's faithfulcounseling.com slash HTBT. Please support our sponsors. And in this case, if you need help, get help. It's We can't do this alone in life. All right, saw this. Now, this is amazing to me. This is like, <laughs> I, I there is something up with this. I think I figured it out. I'm going to share it with you. But if you have any insights, I'd love to hear from this. I'd love to hear you on this as well. From you on this as well. Oh, boy. Okay. I told you I was tired from this conference, man. Took it out of me. The 2020 Democrat field is outraising Trump by a huge margin, it says. That is, the 2020 Democrat field is outraising Trump by a huge margin. That didn't happen to Obama or Bush. And this is a CNBC article. And it says in the key points, the Democrats running for president in 2020 have raised more than three times as much as President Donald Trump, which is unprecedented for a recent incumbent. President Barack Obama's main GOP challengers barely outraised him in 2011, while George Bush beat his top Democrat rivals fundraising in 2003. The figures reflect sustained Democrat voter energy in 2020 through Trump though Trump still has a big fundraising edge over his individual opponents. So the article is Trump isn't doing good. He's being outraised by a huge margin that didn't happen to any of the other presidents that got reelected. A huge margin. And this is what they said is evidence that Democrat voter energy in 2020 is sustained that it is there it is a constant presence so this is interesting to me because if you remember we've talked about this you've probably seen it on the news sites of how much money donald trump is raising it's insane he is outraising and they even said in this article he's outraising his individual opponents now just be thinking about how could this be unprecedented in the this election, this coming election, but it wasn't in Obama and Bush when Trump is raising an astronomical amount of money that he's outraising every one of his supporters or uh, any, every one of his opponents that could possibly be uh, challenging him in 2020. So you go through and you see a big article where they talk about you know, their thing and they support their statement, their headline. They get two charts, incumbents total receipts versus rival party field, incumbents individual contributions versus rival party field. And it's the X X um, coordinate is Trump, Obama, and Bush. Trump, Obama, and Bush for both of these. And it goes through a list. Now, I scrolled down all the way to the, you know, the bottom that italicized the stuff that most people don't read. Because that's where the good stuff is. When you want to see what spin is, you read the headline, 
to give an anchor. And then you go down to the notes or the very last part of the article where they have like this disclaimer paragraph where they can never say like, oh, we see we did put that in the article. Oh, we see we did talk about the other side. We did give the other facts that we are were challenging throughout the whole article. And they do that because they know no one reads the last part. So they get their they get their agenda through on the top. That's how these news organizations, these news businesses work, these propaganda businesses work. So this is what it says, the methodology. CNBC counted only the challengers who's raised more than $5 million from individual contributions during this year prior to the election. Okay. At least 14 Democrat candidates hit that threshold in 2019, about double the totals from 2011 and 2003. So we're comparing Trump versus a group of challengers. And they don't wait, they don't mention until the end that the totals, the totals, sorry, I got a little loud there. The totals from 2011, 2003 were half as many candidates as in 2019 threshold. At least 14 Democrat candidates hit that threshold in 2019, about double the totals from 2011, 2013. I think I might have said that wrong. So let me say it again. They're adding twice as many or seven candidates more in these figures this year than they did from the years prior. And their cutoff was $5 million. Why was it $5 million? Because they can make a story out of it. Probably there's no reason they should have excluded people with less than $5 million of donations, but so that they can get more money in that group, they added more candidates than there would have been for the last 2011, 2003, 2003. Comparing Bush and Obama. Do you see how sneaky this is? Trump is killing every individual candidate. So what do they do? They make the story that it looks like he's not doing well, that he's not bringing in donor money from like the last two presidents did, Obama and Bush. But they just added more people in. It's <laughs> Is this incredible? Is this incredible? And then this is just funny, too, at the end. 2020 candidates have not yet filed for their fourth quarter 2019 figures with the Federal Election Commission, which is required to use, which required the use of rough totals for that period. So not only do they double from their arbitrary cutoff the amount of people considered in this group that is breaking records compared to Obama and Bush, but they have to use their own rough totals, quote unquote, their rough totals. So there's not even their actual numbers. So I'm just curious about this. If twice as many people are added to the group to total to create a sum, how is this news? How is this news? It's twice as many people. It should have been divided by this. If you wanted a true number, they should have divided it by two for their arbitrary cutoff because it obviously mean, needed to mean something and then compared it to make it equal. That's like you comparing inflation from 100 years ago versus real dollars. It's like you have to take inflation out. <laughs> you have to take inflation out. You have to use real dollars or it's not going to be an equal comparison. Yeah, an orange cost 20 cents back then, but 20 cents meant a lot more than 100 years later today. It's, it's totally shitty. And then they admit they're not using real numbers. So why put the story out right now? Why not wait until they have to file these numbers? This is all an agenda, guys. This is agenda. This is the business of propaganda. The business of propaganda. Okay, the last thing I wanted to hit 
And I just, this isn't really news story more than a warning. And it kind of breaks my heart. And I mean, kind of, I mean, it does. The average credit card balance, the average credit card balance of Americans is $6,194. The average American has $6,200 of credit card debt. Now, I'm not as strict, although (laughs) there's wisdom in the Dave Ramsey approach. I'm not as strict as Dave Ramsey is with credit cards. I think there is great benefits to credit cards if you have the discipline and you're responsible and you can pay those credit card balances off every month. There's there's benefits to it. You get points. You don't pay interest. But when you're carrying over from one statement to another $6200 um of your balance and you're getting paid at best 20% I mean, maybe some people have lower cards than that, but let's just say 20%. You are, if you're, if you're taking 6,200 and that's your balance over a year, then you're getting charged. What is that? $1,200 a year in interest that you could have been using to invest, that you could have been using to buy Christmas presents, that you could have been using to buy lessons, to develop skills, to learn how to program just to keep this balance. So what do you do? You do the Dave Ramsey approach. You cut down on anything you can to get rid of that balance. It's hard, it takes discipline, but when you have to correct something, it's often and always, I should say, I should just say always, it is always. It's always harder than it would have been if you were just doing the right thing in the beginning. So let's get some discipline. Let's pay down those debts. Let's start our businesses, our side hustles to bring in more revenue, 250 making 250. Oh, and man, the responses I loved. People were coming up to me and saying, "Hey, count me into 250 making 250." Oh, it made me so happy. I loved it so much. Thank you for everyone who has emailed me or direct messaged me or came up to me in the conference and just told me you guys are being part of it. This thing is rocking and rolling. We're there. We're doing it, guys. There's a bunch of us. We're going out. We're going to start our businesses with ourselves or our families. We're going to be making money and we're going to see what the Lord does in our lives. I can't wait till next year to see how far we have come. So let's go out, be successful. We'll talk to you tomorrow. God bless.